Hi, Ivan. Good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? I'm the founder of an organization called BNI, uh, Business Network International. BNI has 9,150 uh, networking groups in more than 70 countries all around the world. Uh, last year, the organization passed 11.2 million referrals and generated for our members 14.2 billion, with a B, 14.2 billion <laughs> uh, U.S. dollars worth of business uh, for our members all around the world. So uh, could you, because I think that everybody would love to hear the story behind, like how you built um, BNI. So could you share the story with us? Well, sure. You know, I'd like to tell you I had this uh, vision of an international organization with groups all over the world. But the truth is I was looking for referrals for my consulting practice mm -hmm. and I put together people I trusted and they trusted me and we agreed to refer one another. Um, if someone came who couldn't join and asked if I would help op open up a second group. At first I said no, because I didn't run networks. I was a management consultant. And, um, and we opened that group and then another group and another group and another group. And at the end of a year, we had 20 groups, uh, almost by accident. And it was at that point that I realized that we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. Mm. We don't teach networking, referral marketing, emotional intelligence, social capital. And uh, that's when I decided to uh, create a plan to scale the organization. And like I said, we now have over 9,150 groups all around the world. So so how, how did the plan look like? Like, um, yeah. Well, the, the first thing I did was I read a book uh, called uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber mm. right around that time. And um, so I really followed some of the directions that Michael gave in that book, which was uh, if you want to scale a company, you have to learn how to work on the business, not in the business. Uh, and so, you, you know, it's very important to understand the business, but you have to learn how to work on it, which means, uh, first of all, write everything down. He, he said, write everything down as though you plan on franchising your business, even if you have no intention of franchising your business. I thought that was great advice. And I had no intention of franchising uh, BNI. Ironically, five years later, uh, when um, we really started to grow and scale, I thought, hey, this franchising thing might actually be a good idea. And because um, and I had all the manuals, I had everything mm -hmm. written down. And so we actually started franchising um, six years after I started BNI. And so BNI is a franchise operation um, globally. Mm. So, so what, what, what have been like the biggest lessons you have learned along the way, scaling a business? So, uh, yeah, could you please speak to that? And yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, a lot of people talk about this first thing that I'll share with you. I'll give you two or three suggestions. <clears throat> One is um, something that everyone always hears people talk about, but I'm going to give you a, a couple of little spins on it that might make it a little different. You, you've got to set uh, goals or targets or whatever you want to call people. You know, people always I, I talk to some experts who say, <laughs> well, you don't do goals. You do this. Bull. It's goals. You've got to set goals. You cannot hit a target. You're not aiming at. You mm. have to create a target and you have to aim at it. And so um, I think that's absolutely critical. And if you're not setting goals, uh, you're planning. If you, if, you, if, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And mm. those goals are critical. Now, I'm going to give you two suggestions that are a little different than what most people say. The first is I recommend you do three levels of goals. Three levels of goals. The first level is, um, I call it dancing on the roof, excited. You you achieved a number that was so big, it was 
you knew it was possible, but it was a really, really big stretch. That's your dancing on the roof goals. <laughs> the second level is your target. That's the number that you really believe you can hit. It's not easy, but you can hit it. The third is the floor. And if you can't hit that level, you probably should think about another business. Mm. So levels of goals. That's the first uh, suggestion that you don't hear too often. And here's the second one. You have to reverse engineer it. Meaning, where do you want to be in 12 months? Where do you want to be in 11, in 10, in 9, in 8? Where do you want to be next month? Where do you want to be at the end of this month? What happens mm. is people set goals. They want to scale their business and they set goals. And then they're three or four months into the year and they're like, oh, you know what? How am I doing on my goals? Uh, let me let me see. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh. And then they're all frenetic because they weren't tracking it. You got to get uh, monthly numbers. I get daily numbers. Mm. I could tell you that as of last Friday, it was a holiday um, here in the U.S. yesterday. But as of last Friday, um, we have uh, 260,472 members, 190, uh, no, I'm sorry, 9,150 9, plus chapters. I get a daily report. And that's, now it's, when you're small, you can't get those, that kind of granularity. I understand <laughs> weekly numbers and monthly numbers right at your fingertips. And so, um, Create three levels of goals and reverse engineer them. That's the first thing about scaling a business. Here's another thing. I think most businesses fail because they try to do six, they try to do a thousand things six times. You want to be successful in business? Do six things a thousand times. Mm. Not, now, it doesn't have to be six, it could be five, it could be seven, but you do yeah. a handful of things over and over and over again. Uh, consistently over a long period of time, that's the way you become successful in business. Mm, so uh, setting goals, reverse engineering, and the speed of iteration, like always doing the same over and over and over again. Yeah, like and, 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 where do, and what things do you do? Well, you know, you, you have mentors, you, you, you read books, you find strategies that resonate with you. And then don't bounce around to a bunch of different strategies. Stay on that strategy and work it like a dog with a bone. Yeah, and I think in, in, in this day and age, like so, so many people are like struggling with, with shiny object syndromes. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. And, oh, yeah. um, Absolutely. I talk about this in my organization all the time. <laughs> I keep this handy. And, and, and I, I say to franchises that I'm talking to, Don't get caught up in the bright, shiny object. You know, there's all these bright, shiny objects that people are chasing all the time. And it's a mistake. You know, follow the system and the process that you know works. Mm. So so um, having such a big, big, big organization, um, like you, you, you must have like a few other secrets on, on scaling a business. So. Well, absolutely. Um, so here's, here's another one that I highly recommend, uh, yeah. especially when you're starting a business, if you're trying to scale ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. Mm. I'll repeat that. Ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. What, what I mean by that is that, you know, um, when I started BNI, I was not, um, an expert at networking. I didn't know how to network. I, I was clueless how to network. And so, uh, but I was on fire. I was absolutely on fire. And so um, I learned it as I went. 
But as I learned it, I wrote it all down. And one of the things I've discovered is I'd rather hire an employee, especially in the early days of my company, who was on fire and willing to be coached Mm. than somebody that theoretically knew it all, but they weren't very excited. Uh, Ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. Now, the best thing, of course, is to find knowledge on fire, but that's expensive. Mm. And if you're starting your business, it may be very difficult to hire knowledge on fire. So uh, it's okay to to hire people that aren't, they have the basic skill set, but they need training and support to, to, um, to move along. Mm. Make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Because I think um, uh, I, I once heard a great quote and it, was, it goes something like this, like, if it would all be about information, we all would be uh, billionaires with six pack abs. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no question about it. So here's, <laughs> another one, here's another one. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm. Culture is the secret sauce to a successful company. It really is. Now, people always ask me, how do you create an amazing organizational culture? So I think this is the process for creating an organizational culture. It starts with processes that work effectively in your business. Observe processes, write them down. Processes that work become traditions Mm. in the organizations, in, in an organization. Traditions are what we tell stories about. You know, when this happens, then that happens. And that I saw that once when, you know, so-and-so was doing this. The traditions are about telling mm. stories. Traditions become the foundation of your core values. And your core values create the culture. Mm. That's how you create culture in an organization. Processes lead to traditions, which lead to core values, which lead to culture. Mm, and and um, how are you thinking about like values? Like what are, for instance, give give our listeners like a few examples. Like what are the core values? So of first your of the core values yeah. in BNI, our, our principal core value is the philosophy of giver's gain. The idea that if you help other people, they're going to help you in return. It's probably the mo- single most important core value in the organization. But we have other very important core values, understanding that it's all about building relationships. So now I'm talking about BNI's core values. What If you're listening or watching this podcast, you need to think about what core values resonate with your business. These are the ones that resonate with our business. But what core values resonate with your business? Well, how do you figure those core values out? Well, what are your traditions and what are your processes? That's how you come up with your core values. So giver's game, relationships. It's all about relationships, not transactions, relationships. Networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. It's about cultivating relationships with other business people. Lifelong learning. We don't teach this in colleges and universities. So in BNI, we really uh, strive hard to teach people how to build their business uh, through referrals. Uh, accountability. Accountability is important. In BNI, we have rules and processes and systems. You got to have rules. You know, um, hockey without rules would be boxing on ice. You have to have rules. It has to be systems and processes. Mm, yeah. Or it's a coffee clatch. And I didn't want to be in a coffee clatch um, as a network. So these are some of the core values that BNI has created. Um, Every company should have its own core values that resonates with the the founder and the employees and the, um, the clients of that organization. 
Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, Ivan, I think um, people can also learn a lot from avoiding mistakes. So, uh, could you please speak about like what are the the, the typical mistakes that you are seeing um, when people try to scale their company? So, uh, well, I, I I think the number one is the one I told you already. They they uh, try to do a thousand things six times, and, mm. and that's clearly the number one. A big mistake, I think, in in any business is you got to do the six things a thousand times. Um, so, look, you know, mistakes. I'm not real troubled by mistakes. Um, I, I had someone say to me, "I now I used to be, you know, I, I was telling somebody probably 30 years ago. I'm really concerned because I'm about, you know, my company is growing. I'm hiring new employees. I'm really worried because if I make a mistake, these are this is other people's livelihood in addition to mine. I'm now taking care of other people through employment. And he looked at me and he said, Ivan, don't worry about mistakes. You're going to make them, mm. you know, recognize that you're going to make mistakes, but also recognize that when you make a mistake and you, 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 you recognize that you make a, made a mistake, you have got to acknowledge it with the people around you. You've got to throw yourself on the sword and you got to make it right quickly. So don't worry about making mistakes. You will. Um, worry about how you respond to the mistake after you recognize that it was an error. And that was good advice to me. Um, and, and so I now, whenever, whenever a mistake is made, I try to acknowledge it as quickly as possible and find a solution. And that's the other thing uh, that I would add is you got to focus on solutions. If all you do is focus on the problem, you become an expert at the problem. Mm. But you have to focus on the solution to the problem. I see people who focus on problems as though it were an Olympic event. It's not. I've checked. There's no <laughs> problem uh, thing in, in the Olympics. You, what you have to do is focus on the solution. Mm. And when when I uh, I try to surround myself with people who are willing to focus on the solutions to a problem, not just the problem. Got it. So um, could you please share with our listeners, like, um, but, but, but before we we'll talk about networking, uh, networking and your advice on building relationships, like what, what have been like the best times? And maybe you could also share with us like the worst times you've had as an entrepreneur or building a BNI. So. Well, the best times for me are when I hear a client or in our case, member stories about something amazing that happened to them in BNI. I mean, I just, I just was in Brazil and India and California just in the last month. And I heard so many stories from all over the world about how uh, our program changed people's lives. And when you hear those kinds of stories, it just, uh, you know, it makes you feel like you really did the right thing in creating the business that you created. Mm. So um, uh, you know, a week doesn't go by where people don't share amazing stories about how BNI has changed their life. Um, for challenges, I think one of the biggest challenges I had early on was getting everybody to follow the same system because um, feature creep is a real thing. Feature creep is where people start adding stuff mm. to a product or service until it uh, be, uh, no longer is recognizable. Uh, and you just start adding stuff and getting everybody to follow the same system is it was a problem early on. And it's a problem as we expand because uh, people always want to add their own flavor to something. And and how are you dealing with it or, or how are you dealing with it? When we find it, we we uh, absolutely 
redirect them immediately. Uh, and I think one of the things that we're doing now is we're bringing all of our, we're bringing most of our training online. Mm. So you can't mess with the system if there's a central training platform. Got it. So if you want to get trained how to run a meeting, there's some that's still done live, but a lot of it is online. And so it's hard to mess with the system when you have a consistent uh, training program. Got it. So uh, let's talk about networking. So I think yeah. that a lot of people are like interested in networking for their business and to develop like new relationships. So um, could you please speak about like the biggest lessons you have learned on networking? Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what happens is that people, um, because they're not taught how to network, they kind of get it wrong. I was in London a few years ago and there was about 900 people. It was an all day affair. I was the keynote speaker. There was a lot of networking opportunities. And when I had a chance to stand and speak, I said, how many of you are here today hoping to, you know, just possibly sell something? Mm. 900 people raised their hands. I said, great. How many of you are here today? Second question. How many of you are here today hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly buy something? <laughs> no one raised their hands. Hardy, not one single person raised their hands. This is what I call the networking disconnect. People go to networking events wanting to sell, but nobody is there to buy. Mm. And, if, and if you go to networking events to sell, you're there for the wrong reason. Now, people then say, why, why go? Why go if you're not there to sell? Here's why you go. Remember I said networking is more about farming than it is about hunting? Mm. You go to networking events to work your th way through something I call the VCP process. It stands for visibility, credibility, profitability. First, you have to be visible in the community. People have to know who you are and what you do. Then you have to establish credibility where people know who you are, they know what you do, and they know you're good at it. And then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are, they know what you do, they know you're good at it, and they're willing to give you referrals on a long-term consistent basis. So you go to networking events to work your way through the VCP process. So if, if you meet somebody you don't know, then you gotta get to visibility. If you meet somebody you know really well, then you wanna move towards credibility with the, that person. If you um, have credibility with somebody who you meet at a networking event, then you're starting to move it towards profitability. You move it through that process. Don't use networking as a face-to-face -face cold calling opportunity. And that's <laughs> what most people do. And, and a lot of people say, oh, I hate networking. It's all about sales. Well, then you're doing it all wrong. If you hate networking, you either don't like people or you're doing it all wrong. Because there are people who don't like, they don't like sales. They don't like, they don't want to go out and try to sell anything. They want to write computer code. I got that. They're not the people out there selling, you know, trying to drum up new business. So you either don't like working with people or, you know, uh, business development with people, or you, you're just doing it all wrong because networking is all about building relationships. That's it. It's about building relationships in the, in the structure of the VCP process. And when you get that, networking is a blast. It's just about building relationships with people. And, and how should people do it when they are, like, for instance, on a networking event? Like, should they go just uh, to other people and say, hey, um, 
and and just just uh, yeah, how how so, should they approach the situation? So, could you so when you meet somebody, uh, a good networker has two ears and one mouth and uses them both proportionally. You should be um, talking less than you're listening. You should be asking questions and getting them to open up. And uh, I've written books on the kinds of questions to ask. And I have no problem with, you know, saying, so, you know, tell me what you do. Uh, but then go to, go deeper. Go deeper with the person. What do you mm. like about what you do? What's your, what's your target market? Give me an example of uh, an ideal client for you. And so you kind of go deeper in asking questions of the person. Now, the key, that's your first meeting with them. The key then is the follow-up. So people ask me, how do you do effective follow-up with people? So I have a system that I call the 24-7-30 follow-up process. Okay, You meet somebody first time, you don't know them, you're not even at visibility yet. Just because you meet somebody once doesn't mean you're at visibility. If you met them a month later and you'd never connected in between, they may not even remember your name. Mm. They don't know your name, you're not at visibility. You're at pre-visibility or invisibility. So um, they kind of recognize your face, but they don't know who you are. So you want to get past that visibility uh, phase. And the way to do it is to follow up. And the way you follow up is the 24-7-30 process. Within 24 hours, drop them a note. Uh, Do a handwritten, you know, a handwritten. Here's a, here's a, here's a, uh, I just got this the other day, a a postcard. Now, this guy's a friend of mine, um, uh, Jordan Adler. And uh, he does uh, send out cards. And of course, uh, he always sends cards. Uh, and I love I love getting something in the mail. Very few people do that anymore. So a handwritten note or a card of some kind is uh, a great way to follow up with people. Uh, email, if you don't, listen, I'm, I'm really bad at my handwriting sucks. And so, you know, an email is okay. But within 24 hours, follow up. Mm-hmm. When you follow up, you follow up by saying, hey, it was really nice meeting you yesterday at the Chamber of Commerce function or at the BNI meeting. Um, I, I hope our paths cross again. And don't sell to them. Mm. What happens is people follow up and they say, hey, um, you know, we met at such and such. Um, it'd be great if we could sit down together and, so that I can harass the heck out of you and try to get you to buy my product or service. Okay, they don't say that, but that's what happens is they go right into sales mode. You know the expression, it never hurts to ask? Yeah. They're, they're dead wrong. They're mm. dead wrong. It does hurt to ask. If you ask before there's a relationship, you will not have the relationship. Now, sometimes people will say to you, Hey, you, oh, you provide that product. That's great. I've been looking for that. That's fantastic. Then you're responding to them. But even a blind squirrel can find a nut. You'll stumble over that business. But what you want to do is build a relationship. So just follow up within 24 hours, uh, an email or a handwritten note and say, hey, it was really nice meeting you. I hope our paths cross again. Uh, you know, I go to the chamber meeting every month or I'll, I'll, I plan on coming back to the BNI meeting. Maybe we'll meet there. Anything like that. Within seven days, connect with them on social media. Mm. Now, I learned something from my kids about this years ago. The key here is you've got to go where they are on social media, not where you are. If you want to build a relationship with them so that you can really start to go deep and get to know them, you have to go where they are, not where you are. Let me explain. My eldest is 33 years old, but when she was 17, I would call her on her mobile phone and she wouldn't answer. But if I texted her, 
she'd respond immediately. I called, I, I texted her one day and I said, hey, you know, this, this device is a phone. There's an earpiece, a mouthpiece. You can actually talk. She's like, yeah, dad, I know, I know. But she would, she would just, she texted. So mm. my second daughter, when she was around 17 or 18, uh, I would call her nothing. I would text her nothing. I said to my wife, what do I do? She's not responding. And she said, oh, you gotta, now this was years ago. This is probably 12 years ago, 10 years ago. She said, oh, you're going to have to WhatsApp her. I said, what's WhatsApp? I don't know what WhatsApp is. So she had she helped me download WhatsApp. Call my second daughter, text my second daughter, nothing, nothing. But if I WhatsApp messaged her, she'd respond immediately. Okay. <laughs> then came my son. Well, my son did not like WhatsApp. If I called him, nothing, text him, nothing. So I'm thinking, what do I do? He's a gamer. He loves games. So there's this platform online called Steam where you can download games. Mm. I was in my 50s. This was probably about uh, eight years ago, nine years ago. I was in my 50s. And and I went to Steam, bought a game, because there was an instant message feature on the game so that when he was on Steam, I could instant message him, he'd respond immediately. Mm. What my kids taught me was it didn't matter how I wanted to communicate with them. What mattered is how they wanted to be communicated with. Mm. So I needed to go where they are. And so within seven days, connect with them on a social media platform that they're most active on. How do you know? Well, when you're talking to them, you say, what social media platform do you use the most? Oh, LinkedIn Mm. or, or Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is. Facebook. For me, it's Facebook. You can go to my Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com slash Ivan Meisner dot BNI founder. That's my Facebook page. And, um, and so you got to go where they are. So 24 hours. Oh, oh. And when you go there, comment on the posts they make and mm. don't sell to them. Don't say, Hey, you know, you should buy my product. You should buy my, don't do that. Mm. Okay. So 24 hours. Uh, reach out to them, uh, just uh, thank them for meeting. Uh, seven days, connect with them on social media, comment on their posts. Within 30 days, connect with them however you would like and set up an appointment to, to have a one-to-one. And, and all you do is you say, hey, we met a month ago at such and such event. I've been following your social media, really like what you've been posting. I'd love to get together for coffee and learn more about what you do. Hmm. And then sit down with them and meet and don't sell to them. It's about building a relationship. And when you build the relationship, it can take you to credibility and from credibility to profitability. So that's what you do when you meet somebody at a networking event. Mm. So, so I think the biggest mistake in your opinion is uh, that people are selling way too early. Way too early before there's a relationship. Now, remember, if somebody needs your product or service, they'll tell you right then and there. Otherwise, Mm. you're trying to talk them into it. Plus, I don't think that the best way to get business is to be constantly selling to people. I believe the best way to do business, to get business, is to build relationships with people where they are referring you business. Mm. You could be on vacation. If you build a referral-based business, versus a direct sales-based business. If you build a referral-based business, you could be on vacation and be getting referrals. But if you're getting all your business, if, you know, it's, it, it, 
hunting versus farming. If you're hunting, you basically eat what you kill that day. Mm. And if you're not out hunting, you're not getting anything. Yeah, no money. (laughs) When you you, uh, build your business based on referrals, it's more like farming. You can take a vacation. The crops are in the field. They're growing. You know, it's still coming along. So that's what I believe is the most appropriate way to build your business. Mm. I think you have a, a really unique approach to business. So um, how does one like build a referral business? So we, we have covered the networking part, but um, yeah. How does one do what? Uh, um, um, build a refer- uh, referral-based business. By building relationships. And you build those relationships. And as you build those relationships, you explain to people what a good referral is for you and you find out what a good referral is for them. Now, a a great place to start, you really want to concentrate on what I call um, your, you want to look at what I call your contact spheres. And from your contact spheres, you build a power team. Mm. Let me explain. A contact sphere is a group of business professionals who have a symbiotic relationship. They're in a competitive non, they're in a compatible non-competitive business. A lawyer, a financial planner, and a banker, they all have uh, clients that can use each other's services. My favorite's the caterer, the florist, the photographer, the travel agent. I call that the wedding mafia. You know, once they bring you in, they don't let you out. And they refer each other like crazy. So Referral mafia. So you 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 get you get um, this contact sphere, and from that contact sphere, you build a power team of people who are in compatible professions. Then then in addition to the power team, you work on all the other professions that you meet to build a relationship where they're doing referrals with one another. And what you do is you teach them the language of referrals. What should you listen for that would be a good referral for me? And you teach them what that would be, and they teach you what it would be for them. And so you're out there listening for them, they're out there listening for you, and you give referrals that mm. So um, I think, um, y- Everybody would love to hear, like you said, okay, people are selling like way too early, but um, you've built like such a successful business. So I think, um, you know, you might know like quite a few things about persuasion and sales. So um, <laughs> could, could you share the biggest lessons on sales or persuasion with us? So on the, I'm, not what, I'm not what people would consider a traditional sales expert. Because uh, for me, the referral process is the sales. It, it leads mm-hmm. it right up to the sales process to the point where uh, if if the person isn't ready to have a discussion with me, then I don't meet with them. I don't go to prospects that aren't ready to talk about the need. I, I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's take BNI. I had someone once call me and say, so so and so said I should call you. I saw a BNI meeting. He said that uh, I should start up in my country. Convince me, mm. okay? And I said to him, "Nope, it's not a good fit." But thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. <laughs> He's like, "What?" He said, I, "I'm interested. I want you to convince me." I said, "Look, I'm I'm not in, in the, I'm not in the convincing business." And so if this is something that you're interested in, I'm happy to talk to you about it. And if you find that that's not what you want, that's fine. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to convince you of anything. Mm. You've got to be confident that you're interested. If you're not interested, this isn't a good fit. So I really appreciate <laughs> the call, but I'll pass. 
And he said, seriously, you'll pass. I said, if you if you don't feel like you're interested, uh, yeah, I'll pass. But thank you very much. I'll, um, if you change your mind, let me know. See ya, bye. <laughs> and and uh, and he called. By the way, he called back. Mm. He called. He waited about a week. He said, I've been thinking about it. I am interested in hearing more information. I said, great. Then let's talk. Um, so uh, referrals are already warm. Mm. You know, uh, otherwise you're dealing with basically what amounts to a cold call. They don't know you. They don't know where you come from. You see, when you give a referral, you give a little bit of your reputation away. So if I referred somebody to you, my reputation goes with that referral. True. So they would say, Artie, Ivan referred me to you. I, I don't know you, but I know Ivan really well. And um, and so I, I, I'm interested in talking to you. So when you have that kind of referral, the sales process is easy. Then it's just a matter of educating and finding whether the client really, if you have a service that can fit the client's needs, hmm. it becomes much more consultative, uh, the sales process, rather than special closing techniques. So uh, you are basically, you aren't like a big believer in sales techniques and NLP or something like that. Not for not for referral marketing. No, for, for you know for direct. Listen, if you're doing direct sales, NLP is a great technique to use. Um, uh, I mean, I wrote a book called Masters of Sales. There's lots of sales techniques in there. But the truth is, I'm I'm an expert on referral marketing. And when you get your referral, it's just a matter of determining what that person needs and whether you can fulfill those needs. You're not doing pitchbacks or you know various sales techniques that are out there you're doing consultative mm. yeah and i also like the example of not talking to uh, unqualified people because i think that a lot of sales people for instance like are wasting time on, on unqualified people and still yeah. are doing like sales presentations when right. they are just wasting their time so yeah so i mean when i get an unqualified referral yeah uh i give it back to them Mm. I've had people, you know, give me, we, in BNI, we have referral slips and they'll give me a referral slip and it's, it's not qualified. It's not qualified because, you know, they, they may have said, uh, I talked to this person, I know they need your product. And I'll say, well, did you talk to them about me? And if, if, and this has happened. And if they said, well, no, I didn't talk about you. I said, well, thanks for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Here's the referral slip back, call them and and talk about me and find out if they're interested in talking to me mm. and find out if, um, if what I do is of value to them. You don't have to close the deal. Just find out if they're willing to talk. If they're not willing to talk, this isn't a referral that's ready yet. If they're willing to talk to me, if I call them up and they're expecting my call, that's a, an okay referral. Mm. Uh, if they're expecting my call, know what it is that I do and have interest in talking to me about it as a possible product or service. That's a good referral. I'll take it. Mm, got it. So um, could you please like give our listeners like a few like actual examples on how they should think about like creating a referral based business? Like what would be the first steps? Um, yeah, could you please give, give our listeners a well, few examples? I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say go visit a BNI group. We've got 9,000 people <laughs> around there. Uh, BNI is all about referrals. It's very focused on referrals. And when you go to any networking group like like BNI, what the, the important thing to do is to teach people the language of referrals for you. 
Mm. What is the language of referrals for you? So let me make it easy uh, and give you a few phrases that that someone can finish that would be a referral for them. Uh, I can't, I need, I want, I don't know. Mm. I can't, I need, I want, I don't know. If someone says one of those phrases, whatever they say next is a referral for someone. If someone says, I can't, I, I can't understand this computer. I can't understand this program. I, can't, you know I mean, that's a referral to a computer guy. Says, I don't know how to make my website do what I want. Um, I powerful, very powerful. I can't. I can't see. I can't see what I'm reading. That's a optometrist, right? Um, I don't know. And then fill in the blank. So mm -hmm. those phrases, I can't, I need, I want, I don't know. If you're hearing me say that, I want you to think about your business, whatever business you're in. What would someone say that would start with the words, I don't know, that mm -hmm. would be a potential referral for you? So then what you do is you meet with your referral partners, the people who you are referring and they're referring you, and you teach them. You say, listen for the language of referrals. I can't, I need, I want, I don't know. And when they say the next phrase, that's a referral for me. Mm, very, very powerful. Do you have like more, more hacks like that? I really love it. So, <laughs> hacks. Um, so um, you want to go back to the beginning of, uh, you know, let's say you're networking and you go to a networking event and you want to really connect with people. Take a look at the room because visualize the room. Now let's let's think of it from the God view. From you're looking down. If two people are standing face to face with one another, that's called a closed two. Mm -hmm. And if you're standing face to face with one another, it's hard to break into that conversation. So let's say you walk into a room, you don't know where to begin. I do not know where to start. Go in, and if there the people that are standing like this, you can't you can't strike up a conversation. Mm -hmm. Open twos. Open twos are people that are standing again. The God view. They're, they're kind of standing askew. You could just step on in. So it's sort of a triangle. Um, or uh, an open three would be like a U. Mm. So open, or an open group, it's like a huddle with an open spot. Somebody can just step on in there. What you want to do is observe the room, look for the open spots. Open twos, open threes, open groups. And just slide on in. You don't even have to start the conversation. Just kind of slide in. Let them finish their conversation. Introduce yourself. Ask them to introduce themselves. <clears throat> it's a very effective technique. Now, if you're running a network, you want to teach the members of that network to always stand in open twos, open threes, open groups. So powerful. <laughs> so powerful. So, yeah. Teach them to do it. So when a new person comes and they they're shy or they don't know anyone and they don't know where to start so much easier to strike up a conversation by slipping into a group than it is to just walk up to an individual or to try and break into a group. Instead, what they do is they stand in a corner because mm. they don't yeah. simple technique. <clears throat> this here are the grandmaster tips. So <laughs> I really love it. So, um, um, let, let's, let's talk about like, what would you tell everybody because like networking or network marketing um, like has a bad re reputation like what would you tell them 
Well, let's let's talk about terms. Network marketing is generally a term used for multi-level marketing. BNI mm. is not a multi-level marketing organization. Yeah, makes sense. We, we we steer away from the term network marketing because we're not multi-level. We're a franchise. Mm. We're more like McDonald's than Amway, um, in the sense that we're a franchise. So um, now that said, yes, you're right. People do sometimes steer away from networking because they they don't like it, but if they don't like it, they're doing it wrong or they're going yeah. to the wrong places. When I started BNI, actually before I started BNI, I went to some groups that were just mercenary, Hardy. They were mercenary. I'd go to them and everybody was trying to sell to me. I felt like I, I'd left and I felt like I had been slimed. I needed to go. <laughs> right. I, I hated those groups. Then I went to these other groups that were all social. It was happy hour and hors d'oeuvres. Nobody was doing business. I didn't like either of those. So what I did with BNI was try to merge business with social. And the glue that would hold it together is this philosophy of giver's gain, this idea of, of, of helping other people so they help you in return. So you look for groups that aren't all sales and aren't all social, hmm. but are relational and still focus on business. And when you find those groups, then you then you go deep and start to build relationships. Because if, you're, if your network is a mile wide and only an inch deep, It'll never be very powerful. You want to build a powerful personal network? Your network needs to be both wide and in places it needs to be deep. Mm. So um, I think everybody would love to hear, like, what are the things that fascinate you the most at the moment? So, Well, I think the, the thing that uh, I love doing the most, uh, I'm doing right now, I love, I love doing interviews. Um, I love uh, writing and, uh, and speaking. Uh, that's what I'm most passionate about these days. I think it's really important. I, I'm so, for BNI, I'm sort of the Colonel Sanders of BNI. You know, I'm the, I'm the guy who's the spokesperson for the organization. Mm. Um, I think an entrepreneur is either working in their flame or working in their wax. What do you mean? Yeah. When they're working in their flame, they're on fire. They're excited. They love what they're doing. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in the way they act. When they're working in their wax, it's just taking all their energy away. Mm. You can hear it in their voice, and you can <laughs> see it in the way they act. And so um, I urge entrepreneurs to try to be in your flame as much as possible. And so what I'm excited about, Uh, these days is I'm I'm working almost completely in my flame. I, I'm doing the thing, things that I love um, and and not so much the things that I always hated doing. Makes sense. So um, what do you tell everybody who's listening to this? Like um, they should follow their passion because um, there's like there are like two school of thoughts. Like one school is saying, yeah, you should always be doing what you love. And one school of saying a uh, school of thought is saying that um, there's a certain time and place for for like going doing stuff you hate. So, um, yeah. Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, mm. I mean, I believe that sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get to do what you want to do. Makes sense. Okay. Sometimes you got to do that. I certainly have, but I also believe that you should be working towards, uh, your flame at the same time. Mm. Um, and, and, and that doesn't mean that you got to always be in your flame. I've been doing this long enough that I finally got there. I tell people I'm a 20 year overnight success. It took me a long time to build a, a successful business where I could start really focusing more and more on the, just the things that I'm passionate about. I think you need to do both. 
And I mm. think you need to be in a business that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about the business, uh, you're never going to be successful at that business. And so you have to be passionate about the business. That doesn't mean that you that you can ignore all the things that have yeah. to be done. The key is to find people that your wax is their flame. Mm. Let me give you an example. One of the first positions that I hired early on in BNI was a bookkeeper because I hate bookkeeping. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a fan of bookkeeping. <laughs> I can read a financial statement fine. I'm just not a fan. So um, I remember hiring this bookkeeper and she came to me one day and she said, you, you were off on your books. Uh, and she'd been with me for like three months. She said, you were off on your books by five pennies, by a nickel, five cents. Okay. Hmm. Took me two hours, but I found it. Now I told somebody this and he said, seriously, did you reprimand her? I mean, she worked two hours to find five pennies, five cents. <laughs> I said, no, I congratulated her. And I said, well done. I'm proud of you. He said, why would you have done that? I said, here's why she spent two hours finding five cents. If it were 50 bucks, I would have said, eh, close enough. You know, mm. if I were doing it, yeah. If I were doing it, 50 bucks, eh, close enough. If she's doing it, $50, she wouldn't go home at night. Mm. <laughs> she would stay there until she found that money. <laughs> what if it were $500? She yeah. Would so, no, that's her passion. She was mm. proud that she made the books balance exactly. Mm. That's her flame. It's totally my wax. So as you grow in your business, figure out what your wax is and find people that their flame is your wax. Mm. You've got a team around you that um, will help you scale your company. Powerful. So um, I think everybody would also love to hear, like you, you're having such a big, big organization. Um, how are you protecting your time? And um, yeah, what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? And uh, how are you dealing like with all those opportunities that, that is knocking on your door? So, Well, that's, that's a, a comprehensive question that requires a few different parts to answer it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, first part of it was time. I'm a fanatic about managing my time. Mm. Uh, my calendar is blocked out by the hour and it's color coded. I color code my calendar based on working in my flame or working in other things. Mm. And so, uh, everything that is in my flame is some variation of green. I chose green. There's lots of, in outlook, I use outlook for my calendar. Outlook's got a lot of uh, different colors that you can color the item in your calendar. So, um, it, you know, I can look at my calendar and if my calendar is completely green, I know I'm working on my business. I'm working mm. on my flame that day. But if it's got a lot of other colors, you know, like blue, I have to make phone calls that are administrative in nature. Or by the way, this, this is, um, this interview is in green on my calendar because it's, <laughs> I love doing, uh, red, red is bad, very mm. bad. And red is usually involving lawyers or accountants or something. So, yeah. Um, I, I manage my time very, very tightly. Um, the other thing is you got to learn how to say no, mm. um, because somebody else's, uh, opportunity could very well be your distraction. Mm. Someone else's opportunity could be your distraction. Awesome. So you have to learn how to say no. Uh, one of the things, one of the quotes I love, uh, uh by, um, uh, um, uh, Apple computer, um, 
Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Uh, th- one of the quotes that he made that I think is really powerful is that he was um, most proud of the things they said no to. He was more proud of the things they said no to than the things they said yes to in Apple. Because there were so many things that were coming their way. Most of them were distractions, but they were very attractive distractions. Mm. And he learned how to be very clear about his vision for where he wanted the company to go. And he learned how to say no effectively. And uh, and I talk about that in my in my latest book, uh, Who's in Your Room? How do you say no and not be a jerk or worse? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the techniques I use that I think is very effective, and I use this with some regularity, if Here's how I say no. If I said yes, I'm afraid I'd let you down. Mm. And here's why. You know, that's not my mission. That's not the vision for where I have. That's not my emphasis. I, my bandwidth is too big. I'm drinking water from a fire hose. Whatever the reasons, uh, I'm afraid if I said yes, I'd let you down. And I don't want to let you down. You're a friend. I know you. I don't want to let you down. And so um, I think. And it's uh, also a nice way to say yep. yes. Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a very nice way. Yeah, see, I mean, you almost think it's a yes. I mean, it's so polite. It's, so polite, yeah, yeah. it's, it's definite no, but it's a polite way of saying no. Mm, yeah. So um, at the end, I always ask every guest of my five very quick and short questions. Um, but um, before I ask those, Ivan, could you please share with our listeners your best advice on business, networking, building relationships? Like, what would you tell them at this point of our conversation? So, you know, the expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. I don't believe in either of those. <laughs> uh I mean, I, listen, what you know and who you know is important, but I think the most important thing, it's not what you know or who you know, it's how well you know each other mm. that really counts. Because, you know, you could have amazing names in your database. So what? The, the, the key is, could you pick up the phone? Could you call that person? Would they take your call? And if you asked for a favor... Would they say yes? Mm. So I don't think it's what you know or who you know. It's how well you know each other that really counts. And oh, by the way, that means go back to building the relationship. You've got to build the relationship. So uh, Ivan, could you please tell everybody where can they connect with you, uh, buy your books and so on and so forth? Well, I gave you my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash ivanmeisner.com. Being I founder, but I also have a blog. I've been uh, blogging twice a week since 2007 at IvanMeisner.com. Ivan, I-V-A-N, Meisner, M-I-S-N-E-R. IvanMeisner.com is um, my blog site. Got it. So uh, the- just, may, may I just say, sure. of course, BNI. BNI. Uh, BNI.com if for anyone who's interested in any information on BNI. So uh, the first out of the five question is, Ivan, um, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? The first book would be Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. I read it when I was 17 years old. Absolutely changed my life about, I first actually got it as an audio tape from uh, a high school football coach. And it was, it talked all about the power of positive thinking. Absolutely mm. Uh, got me in, in engaged in self-development. Um, the E-Myth would be another one mm. that um, I mentioned earlier. And I think a, another book on dealing with conflict uh, called Crucial Conversations 
uh, those three books uh, really uh, massively influenced uh, my career in many ways. Got it. So uh, the second question is, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? My three top movies are um, Lawrence of Arabia. Mm, great oh, old film. Yeah, yeah. old but great. <laughs> I love that film. Got to see it in high definition widescreen. Um, the second would be Gandhi. Mm, yeah. Another older film, but again, amazing. And the third would be the, pres the, the, the King's Speech, mm. which is more current, just a few years old. The King's Speech about... Uh, I think it was King Edward um, uh, during mm. World War II, and he had and he stuttered, and he and he gave an amazing speech. Those would be uh, probably my three favorites. So uh, the third question is: What is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's <laughs> it's an app, and it was literally a few weeks ago. And I got to get it. I got to get it right. It's a great app. <laughs> yeah. Um, What kind of app? It's a. Uh, it's it's um, Otter. Otter. O T T E R. It's um. It is awesome. It's an app that you can have a conversation with somebody. You can be recording the conversation, and it types it into text as you talk. Mm. So. If you're talking to someone, you just say, hey, can I record this? It not only records it, it types it into text. So when I'm interviewing somebody, so let's say I'm interviewing somebody for a book, and I say to them, do you mind if I uh, record this? This is an amazing app. I have to guess this. <laughs> game changer. Complete it is game changer. way better than Siri. <laughs> it is way better than Siri. Okay? <laughs> my wife, my wife. <laughs> I have to tread softly on this. My wife said to somebody, "Hey, hey, Walker. He was, he's a contractor. Hey, Walker. We need to we need to do such and such." Man. And it typed out, "Hey, effer." Siri has a Siri has a bad mouth. She, yeah, she dropped the f bomb. <laughs> My um, that's Siri. You know, trying to 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 take your your translation. And of course, the uh, poor contractor calls up. My wife and says, "Are you mad?" <laughs> Look what you wrote. Oh my God, no. So my my point is, uh, Otter is way better than mm. Siri. She gets very uh, very few things wrong in the text. Love Great this. app. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the fourth question is out of the five. Um, what are the most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And we had some guests who shared like something deeply personal about their business, family life, relationships, time, travel. So speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. Well, um, in the in the first in the last few years or the, just one of the most significant things? In yeah, general? last few years or in general, it doesn't matter. Okay, so I, I tell you the one thing that, um, and it goes back a long ways, but I think it's one of the most important things. So when I was 13, 14 years old, I was running for student council and my mother gave me this paperweight and mm -hmm. it says, um, I have it to this day, that was many years ago, it says diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. Mm -hmm. Diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. And she said, look, this is about collaboration, not manipulation. 
but you have to learn how to work with people because she said, you're, you're a bull in a China shop. You know, you just knock people over. You've got to learn how to collaborate and work with people. I think it was probably the best bit of advice I got as a young man. Uh, so it's, it's old, but, um, but powerful. Diplomacy mm-hmm. is the art of letting someone else have your way. So, uh, Ivan, the last question for the day is, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, I would say stay on your vision and, and you know, do the things you love to do and don't, don't worry so much. <laughs> you're, you're going the right way. Uh, you know, I always believed that the secret to success without hard work was still a secret. Mm. <laughs> it takes hard work. But I always, you know, I wondered, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing? I would say, don't worry so much. Just just stay focused on, on your goals and don't stress it out so much. Mm. And um, that's about it. That's all I would say. <laughs> Ivan, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice today. So, yeah, it was a fun episode. True, truly my pleasure. Thanks, Hardy. Anytime. <laughs> If anyone's interested, I've, I've got that new book called Who's in Your Room? Really powerful book on creating your best life. Take a look at it. <laughs> Thanks, Ivan. See Thanks. Ya. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out. 